I'm going to be reading from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. In the Red Pew Bible, that's going to be on page... Let show the page, okay? Sorry about that. <clears throat> they read from the book, the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. If you're like me, you're probably thinking about the new year and what your resolutions might be for the new year. Maybe you're not somebody who makes resolutions, but let me just ask you to think about, as a favor, making one for 2024. The challenge is, let's read the Bible in 2024. Today is the last day of 2023, and what I'm asking is for all of us to consider reading more of God's Word in the year to come. I'll tell you why. Because when we read God's Word, His grace is being poured into our lives. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders, and he was going to never see them again, as far as any of them knew. And he was praying with them, and he was reminding them of all that he had done in his ministry, and what do you say to somebody that you care deeply about if you're never going to see them again? What would you say to them? Here's what he says in Acts 20 verse 32. I commend you elders to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. He wanted those elders to stay in the book, to stay in the word, because when we're hearing from God, when we're listening to his words as revealed in the Bible, his grace is being poured into our lives. As a counterpoint to that, if you're not listening to God's word as it's revealed in the Bible, you are missing out on grace that God intends for you. Think about that. You're struggling in life, struggling with problems and challenges and worries and concerns. You're struggling, uh, how am I going to get through this mess? How am I going to make this work? And God is saying to you, I've given you something that is a word of my grace. I've given you my word so that you can gain strength and comfort and wisdom and so that you can gain instruction and enlightenment to live for me and to live in a way that's really significant, that really matters. Let's read the Bible in 2024. Let me share with you this morning the importance of reading. The importance of reading. In the first place, just consider the following passages with me. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he was hungry and the devil said, why don't you change those stones into bread over there? And Jesus answered and said, it is written. Jesus thought about God's word. Specifically, he's quoting from Deuteronomy in this passage. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you're living by bread alone, brothers and sisters, Jesus would say you're not really living, not the way God intends. He wants us to live not just by bread, but by the words that he has provided us. He's talking about you and he's talking about me. He's talking about our lives, 
I want you to be invested in every word that comes from my mouth, God says. Romans 10, 17 reminds us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is in direct proportion to how much of God's word you have heard and internalized. You want a stronger faith in 2024, if the Lord wills and the world still stands? The only way you're going to gain a stronger faith is by investing in the word of God. Can't do it any other way. You can follow people that you think are faithful. You can imitate people that you think would be faithful. But it's only by the word of God that we find our own faith growing and being strengthened. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, the writer says, Let us, Christians, give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. What are the things we have heard in this passage? The gospel message of salvation. And he's saying to his Christian brothers and sisters, you can't just let this go in one ear and out the other. And you can't just let this gather dust in the back seat of your car until next Sunday. If you're going to follow God, if you're going to be faithful to him, if you're going to grow in your relationship with him, give the more earnest heed to the things you've heard. Listen to it again. We sing a song in our songbooks about the old, old story. And one of the verses in that song goes like this. I love to tell the story because those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. There's something about the gospel that it's always new, it's always fresh. And if you listen to it, if you read it with fresh eyes, God can renew our hearts, renew our spirits as we've sung about this morning. Give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. Drift away from God, drift away from the people of God. It's about his word, it's about scriptures. Read the Bible this year, that's my challenge to you. Consider this passage. Mark chapter 4, verse 19, the parable of the soils. Jesus talks about a sower who goes out to sow, and he tells us the seed is the word of God. He tells us that in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, a parallel account. But there's a third kind of soil. The first kind is a hard, uh, hard soil that won't receive the word, and the second kind is a shallow soil that, that things get, uh, you know, difficult, and all of a sudden the, the, the word is, is, is not fruitful anymore. But there's this third kind of heart, Jesus says in Mark 4, 19. He says, in some of our hearts, here's what happens. At first, the Bible starts to make a difference in us and it, it changes us and we're growing and we're thriving in our relationship with God. But then, Jesus says, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things those enter in just like weeds in our hearts and they end up choking the word. You see that? And the word becomes unfruitful. I'm saying as the people of God, if the Bible really is the word of God's grace, let's let God's word continually replenish our hearts this year. Lest we become unfruitful, lest his word get choked out by other concerns, because somebody or something is going to fill up every minute of every day for the next year. Something is going to fill those minutes. Don't let the word of God become unfruitful in your life. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 13, Paul reminds Timothy, this young preacher, until I come, Timothy, give attention to reading to exhortation, to doctrine. 
He's talking about, I believe, the context of a local congregation like this one. Don't forget to read the Bible. Don't forget to spend time in the Word of God. And Timothy, you take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. He's going to say later in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16, pay attention to God's Word. Read it. Again, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 8. When Israel was being restored to God, they had fallen away grievously. They had sinned wickedly against God and they had gone into captivity and now they'd come back. And the scripture says that there's this great restoration that takes place in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter eight, verse eight, famous verse in the Old Testament, it says, they stood up on this particular day and all of Israel, they all stood and someone stood up on a platform and it says they read distinctly in the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense, and they helped people to understand what was being read. Restoration on a congregational level, on a personal level, even on a national level, it begins, brothers and sisters, with reading the book and understanding what the book tells us and what God intends for us to know. Restoration always begins with reading Bibles, always. And if we want great revival and great restoration in our lives, in the life of a congregation, it must always begin with reading God's Word. The importance of reading, Job 23 verse 12, Job was suffering tremendously and he didn't understand why. Nobody gave him any answers. He cried out to God and still God remained silent. Job didn't know why, what was going to happen next or why things had befallen him the way he did, they, they had. But here's what he says in Job 23 verse 12. I have not departed from the commandment of God's lips. In fact, Job says, and this is admirable, think about this. I have treasured the words of God's mouth more than my necessary food. This means more to me than food. It means more to me than my daily bread. The word of God is precious to me, Job would say. And there's something about the faith of Job that we all admire, isn't there? The fact that he struggled and he didn't always get answers to his questions and yet he continually followed and served God and was faithful to God. How did that happen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. Acts 17, verse 11, Paul went to Berea and preached the word to those people in the city of Berea. And it says about them, they were more fair-minded than those who were in Thessalonica. In that, they received the word with all readiness and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You want a recipe for spiritual success? It takes three things. It takes an open Bible, and it takes an open mind, and it takes open ears. Recipe for spiritual success, open Bibles, open minds, and open ears. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Tell me what you would have me to do. Search the scriptures to see whether these things are so. These are noble qualities, God says. I wonder how many of us have gotten out of the habit in our lives of reading the Bible, or I wonder this, whether some of us have ever begun a habit of reading the Bible in our daily lives. And what I'm challenging you to do this morning is to think about doing that in 2024, and we're going to help you as a congregation, more about that in just a moment. 
but I want you to think about very seriously people like this. You know, I'm fascinated by some of the phrases here. They receive the word with all readiness. It's not enough just to say, I've read a chapter or I've read a passage or I've read a book and check it off of a list. It's not enough just to do that. Receiving the word with readiness, brothers and sisters, means I'm welcoming God's word into my heart and into my life. I'm welcoming it. I want to know what he says. I want to understand him better. I want to know his word better. I welcome it. I receive his word with readiness. Not everybody that reads the Bible receives the word with all readiness. Not everybody that reads the Bible receives the word in a way that pleases God. But these people did. We ought to ask ourselves, how do I receive God's word? Another passage, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul reminds young Timothy about where he first started learning the Bible. He learned it from his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice. You must continue, Timothy, in the things that you have learned and been assured of, he says in 2 Timothy 3, 14, knowing from whom you learned them. You learned them from your mother and your grandmother, and also from me, Paul, the apostle. He says, from childhood, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, and those Holy Scriptures, the things that you've learned, they are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What do the scriptures do for us? They make us wise. They give us faith in Christ Jesus. They bring about our salvation, the salvation of our souls. James chapter one, verse 21. The scriptures are powerful. They're life-changing. Why would we leave this in the backseat of our car until next Sunday? Why would we not invest more in the reading and the study and the pondering and meditating upon God's word? Why wouldn't we? If we're leaving out the Bible, we're leaving out part of the grace of God that he wants to pour into our lives. That's my thesis. That's my argument. If we are not investing in this book and letting this book change our hearts and change our lives, if we're not doing it, we are missing out on blessings that God wants desperately for all of us to have. That's the importance of reading. Let's talk about the blessings. Since you brought it up, John, let's talk about what are some of the blessings of reading God's Word. If you've got your Bible, open it up to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy and look at chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. What are some blessings of reading from God's Word? I want you to notice in Deuteronomy 31 that God, having given the law of Moses to the Israelites, He then commanded that every seventh year, the entire nation read the law. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 31, verse 10. Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, the set time in the year of release, the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Verse 12, assemble the people, men, women, little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. You see, God was concerned that those little seven-year-olds that had never been to an event like this, because it hadn't happened yet in their lifetime, 
that those little seven-year-olds would come and they would assemble with their moms and dads and they would listen to the word of God being read with the rest of the nation and they would learn to fear the Lord their God. As long as you live in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to possess, that's how long you continue to read the law every seven years. Why did God command that? Is it because he wanted to inconvenience people? Is it because, you know, he just wanted to give them busy work? God commanded this because this was crucial and central to their identity as a holy people in the midst of an unholy world. This is who you are, Israelites. This is the covenant that I've made with you. And every seven years, the whole nation comes together and everybody reads the law, listens to it being read. There are blessings, brothers and sisters, in that we're reminded of who we are and who we're supposed to be when we read God's word. Another blessing. Josiah, King Josiah, centuries later after Deuteronomy 31, in 2 Kings 22, young King Josiah, they found a book of the law. They found a copy. It was in an old forgotten part of the temple. Israel had long since stopped listening to the word of God every seven years. They had departed and forsaken the covenant of God. And yet they found a scroll, they found books, they found God's word in the temple. And so they began to read the word to the king. And the king tore his clothes and they went and inquired of a prophetess about what was going to happen to them. And restoration, reforms began. Josiah rose up and began to cast out idols from the nation and began to change the way that they were doing things. Good things happen and old bad habits are put away when we read God's word. Josiah's reforms began with the reading of God's word. Ezra's restoration began with reading. Ezra 7 verse 10 tells us, Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra went back to restore people to the land and restore people to faith in God and he used the word of God and the teaching of God's word to accomplish that. Restoration, reform, renewal, remembering our identity, all these things are blessings of reading God's word. You remember the account of the Ethiopian nobleman? In Acts chapter 8, he's driving in a chariot and he's been to Jerusalem to worship and now it seems he's heading back home. And the scripture says that he's in his chariot and he's reading from the book of Isaiah chapter 53 and Philip the evangelist comes alongside and says, Mr. Nobleman, do you understand what you're reading? And you remember the response? Acts chapter eight, verses 30 and following. He says, how can I understand unless someone guides me, unless someone teaches me? But it's noble that he's reading. And Philip is able to help him understand that the passage he's reading is all about Jesus. And it's not long before the nobleman says, see here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? Conversion comes from reading God's word. What are the blessings of reading scripture? Reading increases our faith as we've already pointed out, Romans 10 verse 17, our faith is proportional to the amount of scripture we have stored in our hearts and our minds. You can't be more faithful than what you know. You can't be faithful if you don't understand what God desires for you in a given situation, in a given circumstance. Reading increases our faith. Great insight comes from reading God's word. 
In Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes about the mystery that was revealed to him, supernaturally revealed to him. He says, I've taken these mysteries that God has given to me and I have written them down so that when you read, you will understand the same things I understand about what's been revealed. Think about that. Paul is saying there in Ephesians 3, 3 and 4 that you and I can have the same understanding of the gospel that he does that Paul does. How so? Because we read the words that he's recorded for us. He's put exactly what God wants, exactly the way God wants it in this book. And there's great insight into God's purposes in the world and to what he's trying to accomplish. And it comes from reading more of God's word. Revelation 1 verse 3, blessed is he who reads and keeps the words of this book. Blessed are those who read and obey, not becoming hearers only, but doers, James chapter 1, verse 22. Not becoming the people that are building our house on the sand who hear the words of Jesus but don't do them, but rather those who build their houses on a rock by hearing and doing what God says. There are blessings that God gives to those who read, who hear, who obey his word. When's the last time you really thought seriously in your life about reading the Bible? With that in mind and that question on our, on our hearts, here's what 2024 is going to look like for us as a congregation here at Katy. If you so choose, and you may already have a Bible reading plan that you have already got set, if you do, that's fine. We are not in any way saying you have to do this but we would want you and pray for you, and I pray for you to read the Bible this year, somehow, some way. So if you've got a different plan and you like your plan, you like the way you're doing it, go for it. Great, more power to you. I suspect that a pretty good chunk of us don't have much of any plan right now. I'm I'm just guessing, I don't know that for sure, but I'm just guessing, a bunch of us don't have any plan. So if you don't, listen up. Here's an invitation. We are beginning for 2024 a program called Let's Read the Bible. Not any more complicated than that. Here's what it is. There are 52 weeks, obviously, in 2024. It's a leap year. We're going to read as a congregation most weeks in 2024, one chapter a day. And it will be either five days or six days a week. We're going to start with the book of Matthew, by the way. I've got some handouts out there in the foyer, some calendars. You can take one of those and put it on your refrigerator. It's also going to be posted on Lightpost. We're also going to remind you every week, here are the chapters we're going to read together. And so, beginning tomorrow, January 1st, 2024, we're going to read Matthew chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. My encouragement to you is read one chapter a day. I know some of you overachievers are going to read all five chapters all five days. That's great if you want to do that. But... There is something that is beneficial about reading a little bit more slowly sometimes. There are different ways to read, and there's not a wrong way to read, except to read and not not retain what we're hearing. But one chapter a day is about enough for us. It builds a habit. It builds some consistency. And it also allows five or six days a week. It also allows a little bit of leeway because life gets busy. I know. And not always are we able to make our reading appointment on a given day. And so five or six chapters a week, that's not anything that you can't catch up. Most of the time, 
either one or both of the sermons on the following Sunday will deal with something from the passages that we have read the previous week. This is a lot like, but not the same as reading in sync for those of you who are here. Did you realize it's been about four years since reading in sync? About four years, we did that in 2020. So this is a lot like, but not exactly the same. So one or both of the following Sunday sermons will deal with something from the passages read. I'll give you an example. This week we're reading Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Next Sunday morning, the lesson will deal with the virgin birth of Jesus. When was the last time you heard a sermon about that? And next Sunday night, we'll deal with the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. When was the last time you thought about how the Lord dealt with temptation? Both of those sermons directly related to what we have read the previous week. I say most of the time, Please do not be disappointed or upset if we get to a Sunday and because of necessity or because of circumstances, the sermons don't necessarily correlate with the reading. But as best I can and as best as other preachers here can, we're going to do our best 90 plus percent of the time to make it work this way. That's the invitation. Here are some advantages to doing this. Those of you who are part of the Reading in Sync program several years ago, you remember some of this. Everybody can participate. We have, and I appreciate Brother Vaughn pre praying this morning for those who are shut in, those who are bound at home. We need to remember them, but they, if you're watching us on live stream, you're able to participate with us, to read along with us. Everybody, all of us can participate. We can ask our religious neighbors and friends to participate if they're so inclined. You ever have somebody at work or somebody at school that says, you know, I really want to get more involved in reading God's word, but I don't know how to start. I don't know where to begin. Why not just say, hey, let's read the Bible. We're doing this as a congregation this year in 2024. Everybody can participate. And there's great unity and there's great harmony when the church works and prays and studies and reads together, Acts 4, 32 and 33. Obviously, there, there's an advantage in that more of God's word is getting into more of our lives. I've treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. And we're starting to learn as we do this what Job meant when he said that. And there are plenty of opportunities when we're reading together to interact with others. Because if you get to Wednesday of this week and you've read Matthew 1, 2, and 3, you may have some questions. You may have some observations. You may have some insights that really excite you and you gather with the saints on Wednesday night and we come together and you say, I read the, the most amazing, I'd never seen this before, but look at what happens here in Matthew chapter two or look at what happens in Matthew chapter three. And you can talk to your brothers and sisters and we interact and we talk about things we're seeing and things we're reading together. There's some advantages to doing this together. And so my encouragement to you is just this. Pick up one of the calendars that's in the foyer. If we run out, we can print more. The printer still works, no problem. Don't panic. And we can also find this on Facebook, other places, uh, not Facebook, light posts, other places, the, the calendars out there. But every week of the year, follow along with what we're doing. If you fall off the wagon, I'm really bad about falling off the wagon when it comes to New Year's resolutions. I'm really bad about that. When you find that you've fallen off, I've, I've not been keeping up for the last three or four weeks, all you gotta do just jump back on. You fall off a horse, get back on the horse. You fall off of reading the Bible, just get back and start reading the Bible with us again. God wants to bless you. And one of the ways in which he blesses your life is by hearing and retaining and understanding his word. Let's talk briefly about your temperament and the lesson will be yours. 
Different people read at different times. There is no set time to read the Bible that is best for everybody. It's not a one-size-fits-all proposition. The reason I bring this up is because sometimes people think that we're, we're talking about, you know, with your morning coffee and the quiet hours of the morning before the sun comes up, that's when I like to read the Bible personally. But not everybody's that way. Some of you are night owls. You like staying up really late at night and your, 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 your brain is most active at 1 a.m. I don't know how you do that, but if that's you, that's great. Read in accordance with the way your temperament is. That's what I'm saying. So some people like to rise early in the morning and read. If you can do that, and if that's the way you like to read, Mark chapter one, verse 35, Jesus arose before dawn, went out to a private place, and there he spent time in prayer with his God. It's not a bad thing to do that and to, and to read from scripture early in the morning. Some people need to just take a break from the busyness of life. Maybe you carve out in your day, maybe at your work, you have a break at 10 o'clock every day. Why not spend five to 10 minutes, and that's all it takes to read most chapters in the New Testament, five to 10 minutes to read and to ponder and to pray about what you've read. Mark 6, 31, come apart, Jesus said, from the crowds. They didn't even have time to eat, the Bible says. Come apart and rest a while. Come apart and read from God's word. Some people might make it a commuting experience. Don't read if you're driving, but a lot of you ride the bus to work, or a lot of you like to listen to scripture on podcasts or being read on, on tape or on, I say on tape, I'm dating myself. You like to listen to scripture recordings being read in whatever format those are, those are stored while you commute. You think about those men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, verses 13 and following. They're walking to Emmaus. They're commuting from one place to another. And Jesus comes alongside them. And while they're walking, Jesus opens the scriptures and he talks to them about how all the things that were written about the Son of God have been fulfilled and what Jesus did on the cross. And their eyes are opened and their hearts burn within them, the Bible says, Luke 24, verse 32. And it all happened while they were commuting from one place to another. Some of you are up late at night. That's great if that's the way you work. I meditate on you in the night watches, Psalm 63, verse 6. And some of you are more like free spirits. I'm going to read at all kinds of different times of the day, and that's okay too. The point, the key, the emphasis here is read the Bible. And don't just read it so that you can put a check mark next to what you've read. Read it and welcome what God is saying into your heart. What is so important that God has said this? What does, and this is the question you need to ask, out of every passage you ever read, what does this passage teach me about the God that I serve? What does this passage tell me about who God is, about what God does? You ask that question, you'll always come away with insights that are life-changing. Every time you read the Bible, I promise. If you'll just ask that question, what does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about God's being, his nature, who he is, what he does, how he feels about things? What does the passage tell me? Your life will be blessed just by asking that question. There are other questions you could ask, but keep that one at the forefront of your mind and find a time and read with us. So the assignment, should you choose to accept it, Matthew chapter one, two, three, four, and five this week calendars in the foyer. We'll be talking about what chapters are coming up. We'll put it on the slide rotation before services and things like that in the coming, uh, coming weeks of this year. Be praying about this. Be thinking about this. We're going to read just the New Testament, but we're going to read it from start to finish. Oh, and I didn't mention this. One last thing. It's out of order. 
okay? So we're reading Matthew first, and then we're going to, I think, 1 John, uh, other books of the Bible. Why are we doing it that way? Because otherwise we'd be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John until May, and we'd read all four gospel accounts, which is a great thing to do, but we've broken up the four gospel accounts so that we're reading them at different times during the year. John comes last in the, in the month of December, 2024. So just so you know, we're not reading straight through from Matthew to Revelation. It skips around a little bit for a, lo- a number of reasons. Think about this, pray about this. Let's read the Bible together in 2024. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a New Testament Christian. When we ask the question, who is God and what does he want more than anything else in this world, God wants you to know him. He wants you to be saved from your sins. He wants you to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus, who died for you on the cross. And Jesus died so that you don't have to fear and live with an uncertainty about the future. He died so that you can have hope and redemption and joy through the gospel. Obeying the gospel means that we believe that Jesus is God's son and we confess his name before men. We repent of our sins and that we're baptized for the remission of our sins. Maybe you need to make things right with God this morning because you know and understand that's what God desires of you. If we can help you to obey the gospel this morning, if we can pray for you, whatever your need is, won't you make it known right now while together we stand and while we sing.